Hello and welcome back to The Philosophy Guy, your show for philosophy and culture, which is my new catchphrase I'm trying. Supposedly it's good for marketing, so I'm sure I'll continue to change it because I (laughs) haven't convinced myself it's good and it'll defeat the whole purpose of the whole marketing thing. Anyway, but let's get to what you are here for. So recent news stories got my mind brewing about this current cultural discussion of free speech. It's one that gets, uh, you know, it gets often thrown in with the discussion of identity politics and our current issues of lackluster political discourse, I guess you could say, between the left and the right. And I see a political discourse and divide continue to be an issue in our culture, but we'll we'll see where that goes. So the big news being, and this came after Facebook decided to ban Alex Jones, Laura Loomer, Paul Joseph Watson, and Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos, Yiannopoulos, I always struggle with his name, sorry, to name a few. The justification being the violation of their policies and spreading hate speech. So my initial reaction is to these types of stories, or at least this story in particular, is often, you know, it's just, eh, you know, my bias being that I don't think they spread truthful information. You know, if you're looking for my personal opinion, I find Laura Loomer and this Watson dude have more problematic racist views than someone like Alex Jones, where I think Alex Jones, he doesn't spread hateful racist views in my in my eyes, at least from what I've heard. I've listened to him on Joe Rogan, for example. He spreads problematic conspiracy theories, and he's entertaining, though. But I feel like most people realize Alex Jones, when you listen to him, you listen to him with like this this grain of salt because we all realize he's he's a little crazy. So as for the issue, I find myself often kind of bored with the discussion of free speech, honestly, partially because it's covered so often. And another reason is that some of the intellectuals or pseudo intellectuals, however you want to see them or view them, whatever your term is for them, talk about it so often. I'm looking directly at the intellectual dark web. My point being, the topic is covered everywhere and and it's often covered. So of course, I'm going to contradict myself today and do an episode on it. So, but first, if you'd like my bonus feed where we talk about the importance of philosophy, we even have some Buddhism stuff on there and other bonus episode stuff that will be coming, check out my Patreon page. Also, check out my YouTube for a more visual approach to my content that I just started doing, so help me out and give me some subscribers there and other ways to support the show by checking out the links below. But as always, thanks for listening, and let's get back to it. So, my other reason I find the discussion of free speech boring is I've I've thought about the issue, and I find the answer rather obvious, which probably not a good thing to say on a philosophy podcast, but this isn't to say I'm right or my opinion is correct. I, of course, probably have a major pre-existing bias on the issue being part of this so-called Western civilization. However, my inclination is that this social media banning issue is pretty simple. So to the question of, should social media ban people like Alex Jones? Probably not. Do these social media corporations have a right to ban whomever they please? Yes, absolutely. Should the government step in? Absolutely not. Now, I bring up the government because conservatives put out this rhetorical illusion that they don't think government should be involved with X, Y, and Z, pretending that they don't like the government. But when they perceive private corporations hurting their political power, those corporations that they claim to protect, 
but all of a sudden they've turned on them. All of a sudden, they want the government coming in with an iron fist to protect them. Ironic, and it's ironic that it's because their current political group is in power right now. So the plot twist, the left and the right both love the government as long as it serves them. I think that's a reminder everyone should. If you take away anything from this episode, remember that. Anyway, I find this can be an interesting discussion about philosophy, which is why I'm doing it behind free speech, rationality, and your right to a platform or your perceived right to a platform. We're going to discuss if that's actually the case. So today I thought I would take I would take a stab at this topic. Agree with me, yell at me, whatever you prefer. Hit me up on social media, you know, email, whatever it is. I want to hear your thoughts and also your thoughts on these types of episodes with this more, I guess you could say, cultural philosophy approach. And also I will say my next episode is going to be back on a philosophy of a film. I plan on it being, depending on which one I get done first, but I'm thinking it's going to be on the film Gladiator and talking about some stoicism with that. So to clarify that, yes, I'm still going to be doing uh, these movie philosophy of film episodes often. I have been kind of going on a sidetrack on these more cultural philosophy type things. But anyway, back to it. I tried, So I tried to place myself in the shoes of the people that got banned, for example. You know, what, what are they feeling, right? Take Laura Loomer. I saw a clip where she went on the Alex Jones show, InfoWars show. She started crying because this was her way of making a living you know the chair the chair of her livelihood was has been taken out from under her so you know i had a few seconds of empathy there for her. when someone starts crying in a video you know you immediately think well why are they doing that you have empathy because you sure everyone's cried before right but then you remember that she is a little bit crazy she also had a breakdown at the Facebook HQ. She is she's losing her shit essentially. See, the reason my empathy quickly faded was Loomer has expressed anti-Muslim views and we should show empathy for the effects that racist rhetoric has on our culture in general and also what that racist rhetoric has on the people that that racist rhetoric is targeted towards. So at one point she called for a ride-sharing company, she wants a ride-sharing company to be built, essentially, that doesn't hire Muslims. That's racism. She has spread that mass shootings are staged. And recently, she was involved with uh, Jacob Wool. I think that's how you say his last name. I don't know, he's some guy on Twitter. or Actually, he's been banned from Twitter. Anyway, you, if you haven't heard of him, you should look him up. He's he's a crazy dude. A per, he's Part of, part of the right, you can even probably maybe throw him in with the alt-right. So he's a person that was recently caught for trying to spread false uh, sexual assault allegations on a gay Democrat presidential candidate where he wanted, he, he tried to get people to come out and say that that, that that presidential candidate sexually assaulted people. But he went to, he also went to Man- Minnesota to investigate if Ian Omar, a U.S. representative, had married her brother and Laura Loomer was connected with that. She was working with him on that. So it's just ridiculous racist things to spend your time on that you need to question their sanity to an extent. My point is, sure, you have a right to your opinion, but let's stop pretending that all opinions are created equal. That's far from the truth. I don't see a good reason to commit time and resources to protect people like Loomer with childish, hateful opinions and motivations. But enough with the background. Let's get into some philosophy. Connected with that. 
So now, are Alex Jones and Laura Loomer providing some fragments of truth? I'm sure they spread a fragment of truth at one point in time or another, but I think they've also spread some complete falsehoods during others, and I think the negatives are outweighing the, the positives. So I bring this point up because it should remind you of John Stuart Mill's On Liberty, his arguments for absolute free spe- speech. So I'll simplify it. The idea that someone expresses something, it's either wholly true, partly true, or it's false. So for Mill, assuming an opinion you find offensive cannot be true, in his words, is to assume our own infallibility. And that's fair enough. I think there's a lot of truth there. And if an offensive opinion is true, then limiting that opinion will be bad for society. As for partial truths, Mill says, it is only by collision of adverse opinions that the remainder of the truth has any chance of being supplied. What about false opinions then? Do they hold value? For Mill, if an opinion is false, society can find value in examining the reasons for its falsehood. So my immediate inclinations are towards this viewpoint. But I would not be doing my due diligence of this show if I did not provide pushback. See, this is not the Brendan Weber biased opinion show. You, you know, you can find plenty of that elsewhere from people much smarter than me. But anyway, so the problem with, with Ben's argument, not Ben's argument, Jesus. <laughs> Fuck, too much uh, Ben Shapiro critiques lately that I been thinking about him too much but anyway sorry the problem with mill's argument now reminder not to compare him to ben shapiro i generally agree with mill's argument but i do think there is some valid critiques of mill's argument so mill's argument is relying on this enlightenment mindset brought to you by the dude that locked himself into a room to think a lot Rene descartes the idea that we humans can be rational objectively rational And before I I get some email yelling at me for comparing these two, yes, I know they would disagree on this idea of rationale. Mill being much more of this naturalistic about his rationale, about the origins of our rationale, where Descartes is, you know, well, not so much. But in a way, this kind of proves my point. Two people relying on rationale, yet they disagree on our ability to be rational. Mill's absolute position of free speech makes sense if we believe even minimally educated people can work through bad argumentation. But I think it's reasonable to have doubts about this. For example, as we'll get into in a sec, you see Mill comes off as this as a rational absolutist, a rationale of even well-educated people. We should not pretend that being educated makes you exempt from bias. It's constantly being affected our opinions our rationale is constantly being affected by outside influence our emotions our experience our upbringing where we were born our self-interest they all provide us with irrational biases this prevents us from being these objectively rational people that mill wants us to be or thinks we couldn't can be so to bring this back and bring up alex jones again I think we should say that it's irrational to deny the mass shooting that took place in Sandy Hook. Alex Jones has denied that. So generalizing about groups of people and using that generalization to justify various positions and policy choices, in my mind, is racist. Yet Laura Loomer sees no problem with this. She says it's other people being irrational. And I say she's being irrational. Is someone right 
or at the very least, more right? However, Mill has provided some good reminders of the tyranny of the majority that democracies create. Take women's rights and even slavery. Discussions of ending slavery and giving women equal rights was once seen as an offensive conversation, irrational even. Absolute free speech was necessary in in allowing these positions of ending slavery, of giving women equal rights. Positions that at the time were considered unpopular, they were given a platform because of this, this newfound understanding of free speech. They were able to be heard, allowing the truth to come to light and defeat the oppressive ideas of slavery and helping promote women to have equal rights. So let me bring it back to today, though. Is the situation today different? Because some would say it's different. uh, This is why we need to limit free speech and this hateful rhetoric, blah, 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 blah. I honestly don't think this is the right question to ask. I think it's, it's better to remember that, sure, you shouldn't be thrown in jail for stupid opinions or bad opinions or irrational opinions, whatever you want, whatever word you want to use. Because the fact that we can't be purely rational means we should not allow something like the government or the majority decide which opinions are so offensive that they should be fined or thrown in prison. Because our lackluster rationality goes both ways. It means that people can be persuaded to stupid opinions and a large group of people can be so stupid that they become convinced that they should be, that they should ban a good opinion. That's what I'm trying to say. But this gets back to the idea that although alternative opinions can be be out there, it doesn't mean that all opinions have equal footing. The misinformed do not deserve to, to talk as much as someone more informed, providing equal footing in the public square of all opinions can turn into a form of tyranny on its own. So allow me to explain that though. Take the media. What are they motivated by? Having an audience, right? They need an audience to bring in advertisers, to give them those monies. This desire draws controversy. It draws in that controversy because controversy sells, bro. And I don't see that changing anytime soon for media companies. So I'll provide one example. And you can insert your own example here where you listened or watched a debate where you were essentially fully on one side. You knew going in that you were not going to be convinced on the other side, but you kind of just went in for the entertainment purposes, which kind of just proves my point. (laughs) Just saying. But I thought of immediately when I was like trying to do some research on this was the Bill Nye and uh, Ken Ham Ham debate. I think it was like five years ago, honestly, but where Bill was arguing for evolution and Ham was arguing for creationism. Now, I think having Bill Nye as a spokesperson for evolution was a questionable decision. I get it. They probably did it for celebrity appeal. However, let's analyze the opinions of both sides. I think most people today will see the obvious better viewpoint is evolution as the true position or at the very least, more true than the Bible's creation perspective. Okay, but by placing these two against each other on live TV, it creates this imagery that these viewpoints are on an equal playing field, fighting for the hearts and minds of the audience. It really helps the problematic position that is creationism in this case, because if disagreement occurs, people see it as, oh, well, We can just agree to disagree. This idea that in some weird, some conscious way, because they're on this like big media platform, that both positions are have their own level of rightness. 
right? So to bring it back to my overall point in this whole social media corporation deal, I think as a culture and society, we need to distinguish between free speech that your positions will, you know, not get you thrown in prison, fined, killed, or beaten up, and the access to a platform for that speech. Access to the media through social media, TV, blogs, universities, newspapers, whatever your medium of choice for consuming information is or expressing information, those resources are finite. People's time is limited and media options are limited. True justice can be served by looking at the merits of various arguments and positions and determine as a community, society, and culture which opinions should be propped up and heard and which ones should be cast aside to their own small echo chambers. There's a difference between banning ideas and refusing to provide the resources that a large platform provides. Media companies have a right to their free speech as well, and that they have the right to be gatekeepers to the rational discourse they feel their audience not only wants to hear, but should be hearing. See, having media access, access to a platform such as Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube, this is not a right. It's a privilege. Now, a cultural discussion needs to, to wage on about who needs access or deserves access or deserve, deserves the, I guess you could say, spotlight to these platforms. You know, who, who deserves to have a big following? You know, that's for the community to decide. Some would call for banning someone like Jordan Peterson or Ben Shapiro. And admittedly, I disagree with some of their views and honestly, a lot of both of the views. And if you've been listening to my podcast and YouTube channel, you know I disagree with Ben on a lot. But I also don't think they should be shouted out at lecture halls and threatened with violence. I also don't think social media should ban them. But then again, that's my opinion. My privilege is to express it on platforms like podcasting, YouTube, and social media. And these platforms have the right to kick me off of them if they please. That's just that's just part of it. That's kind of, you know, you, you might not think it's the best system. Maybe you think there's a better system. But I like to think that, you know, there there isn't a perfect system. And right now, this is this is what we have to work with. And I think it is optimal to an extent. But the takeaway is that Mill was right in his commentary and speech regarding restrictions on government. Because I would never trust a centralized authority, you know, a centralized authority to be the the censor or the gatekeeper for this type of thing. But part of free expression is it carries over to those involved with media companies. And if they feel an obligation to the public to provide speech based on the merits of ideas, that's for them to determine. To me, that's justice. You might say that, why should media companies be the censors? Well, the difference is that government often uses the threat of force through prison and fines. That's the way they dictate speech. They're not going to just like take you off a platform or command that. They're, no, they're going to, if you don't get off that platform or you don't do something or a media company doesn't do something, they're going to throw people in prison and fine them. That's a threat of violence. I don't think we should go to that extent. Where media companies just deny you their audience, not threaten you with violence. They, they kind of perform their rights in denying you their audience. I don't see a problem with that. So we should remember that none of us think with peer reason. That's a takeaway here. But I think we can, care, we can try our best as a society to help determine which ideas to prop up. Some people are ignorant. Some speakers are sophists. Some are more rational than others. But none of us are purely rational. 
that's what we should remember when we have these discussions. Like, I'm not purely rational. You should not take my word for for it, whatever I say. Don't don't like project on me that I'm rational. I'm not going to project on you that I think you're purely rational. That's just the reality that we live in and the reality of us as humans. So at the end of the day, we should protect the right to free speech, but let's stop pretending this means you have the right to an audience and have this understanding allow us to open the discussion about how we should spend the finite audience resources that we have as a society. And maybe then our discourse can improve for the better. But that concludes this episode. Like I said, check out those links below to help support the show. And tune in next time, as always. Thanks for listening. Peace.